0: Greenlight Network presents Football Time. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Football Time Podcast. We're here for our recap and review show with our man, Achilles Rain.
1: Hey, how's it
0: going? All right, so, uh, I don't know what to call this weekend. A weird weekend would probably be the term. Uh, so very weird games with interesting results and probably even odder stat lines. Uh, what'd you make of the weekend?
1: Oh, boy, this was, uh, like you said, it was a really strange, strange week. Um, we're used to having a couple of these uh, weeks, you know, throughout the season. I thought we, we had one earlier on. Uh, but after looking at some of the results of this week's games, I think that this is probably the first weird week of the year.
0: Yeah, I I figured when I sent you the stat sheet, you'd see some of these and be like, uh, how is this result, this result?
1: Yeah, you know, it, when I was uh, watching the uh, early set of the games, I was uh, also on my daily fantasy football. I won't uh, give a name, I won't give a, a shout out to anybody in particular, but I was, uh, I was looking at my daily fantasy football and I'm like, wait, the score is this much. Why aren't my players producing? And it, it was just a really weird week. It seemed like, uh, statistically there were maybe a few standouts and that was pretty much it. Uh, everybody else kind of had an off week.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, the trade deadline passed, uh, There was a fun, like, seven-hour show on ESPN that pretty much involved them talking about nothing because, as always with the NFL trade deadline, nothing happened. Uh, Isaiah Ford was traded to the New England Patriots. Um, He's a speed receiver in that he can run real fast in a straight line but doesn't catch many balls, and that was pretty much the extent of the trade deadline. Uh, Exciting deadline.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've seen some kind of, uh, I don't want to say blockbuster trades, but some sort of significant trades before. And it doesn't seem like we really had much this year. I wasn't expecting much. Uh, I I thought that there was a possibility where some of the uh, contenders might make some moves with some of the teams that were dead. But nothing really came to fruition, which uh, was a little bit shocking, but not really so, especially in this uh, 2020 COVID NFL season.
0: Yeah. All right, so let's get into our probably the biggest game of the weekend. It was the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game, and uh, sort of speaking of the, I can't even say it, statistical anomalies (laughs) of weird results, uh, I think this one probably pops in there. Uh, Baltimore pretty much dominated this game, uh, certainly dominated that first half. The only score that Pittsburgh had was that uh, pick six, and... But yet, Baltimore comes out with the loss. Uh, Lamar Jackson, once again, I'd say, did not look great in playing a top-tier team. And uh, hard to know what to make of the Ravens because they ran all over the Pittsburgh team, but no result in the end. What did you make of this game?
1: Yeah, you know, this uh, this particular game... When it comes to the Steelers, you know they have a great defense and they're really stingy against the run. So when you look at the stats, it's a little surprising to find out that the Steelers won the game. Uh, I thought the game overall was a fun game to watch. Thankfully, I didn't have much in the, in the invested in this game, you know, as far as like bets or anything like that or fantasy players. Uh, my only thing going in this game was my head-to-head bet with you. But... I enjoyed watching the game. Um, like I said, if I get, if I were to look at the stats on paper and without the score, I would probably tell you that the Ravens probably won this game and they controlled the ball and it was a low-scoring affair. But I wouldn't have expected the outcome based off the stats. Now, just in general, I, I kind of thought the Steelers handled their business and they came out and pulled out the W, which is kind of what I expected them to do. But weird game overall.
0: Yeah definitely um Lamar uh I mean he ran the ball great but once again some poor decision and poor throws um now I get it the weapons on the outside are really poor but it's beginning to become a little bit more of a trend now I don't want to go down you know talking head nonsense that he can never win a big game or anything but uh It was just some poor decision-making, and it cost them. Uh, Are you getting a little nervous about this Ravens team being able to win games like this and not just beat up on the uh, lower-tier sort of teams that uh, Baltimore's done?
1: Well, see, I don't think that they're uh, necessarily making anyone nervous right now. You know, I think the biggest biggest flaw of that team is the fact that they don't have any weapons on the outside. So it kind of becomes you know, the Lamar Jackson decision show. And, you know, he, when he makes mistakes, you're going to have games like this, especially against good teams. You know, that was a divisional game against the only undefeated team left. And, you know, he made a couple of uh, mistakes, thrown a couple of picks and and this is probably the only reason they lost that game. I thought they'd be one of those teams that would try to make a move during the uh, trade deadline, but um, I guess they thought that they were fine. So, yeah, I mean, this is kind of what you, you expect them in tight games against good teams, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a little confused as to how they're going to win those type of games. It's not that I don't see them winning these, these type of games, but I'm confused as to how they're going to do it with such limited uh, weapons on the outside.
0: Yeah. Uh, the other thing that was a little concerning about this game, uh, the Baltimore Ravens left tackle went down and I saw that he was lost for the season. They just gave him a big extension. So that could be a little tricky, especially with a team that loves to run the ball so much. And the offensive line is sort of a key part of that. Um, Just some, I'd say concerning signs about the Ravens and how this season is going to play out.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I thought that it was, uh, it was pretty unfortunate for them. You know, I know it's, it's, It sounds bad to say it, but I'm happy for him because he did get paid before that injury came through. Now, I'm sure none of these players are all competitors. They want to come out on the field and they want to perform and they want to get in there and, you know, and grind noses against other people and prove that they're better. But at least the man got paid before his injury and he didn't have like a Dak Prescott type of thing.
0: Yeah. All right. So. Let's move on to our last headline of the week. Uh, I thought we'd, since it's a halfway point of the season, I thought we'd give our top four Super Bowl teams for the NFC and AFC. Uh, Let's start out in the NFC. Who do you have as your top four teams in the NFC? All
1: right, for my top four teams in the NFC, I have the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, To me, the NFC looks a little bit shakier than the AFC, but I still think that Seattle's the top dog there. Um, I have the... uh, the Green Bay Packers, uh, because of Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams, that combination is deadly. In uh, third, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they have all the weapons that they need to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, the thing is, are they going to mesh enough and you know get it together in time to get all the way there? And lastly, uh, I have the Saints on there because, in spite of all their wide receiver drama and injuries and uh, their aging quarterback, they still seem to get wins somehow. So. Um, Those are my top four teams for the NFC.
0: Yeah. Um, I have a round about the same uh, as you. Uh, The Seattle Seahawks right now are uh, far and away uh, my number one team in the NFC. I I think there's a pretty big gap there. Their defense uh, probably played their best game of the week uh, last week versus the Niners. Um, And uh, Adams, I think, uh, is coming back this week or next week. And uh, they just added Carlos Dunlap in the trade deadline, you know, about a week ago. So if that defense starts to play even mediocre, uh, I think this team is probably a shoe-in in there. So I sort of have Seattle one in my gap. And then my next three are the Packers, Saints, and Bucks. And uh, that's sort of a mismatch. It's uh, I'd probably say the Saints would be my number two team. The way they're winning games right now with literally... Alvin Carmera and, uh, breeze. And that's about it. They haven't had Thomas. They haven't had Sanders cook has been in and out. And the ability to find ways to win game has impressed me. I know everybody is like going weird. Cause every game is close, but I mean, their best players haven't been playing and they're winning games. The bucks and Packers. I probably put in the same sort of category as flawed teams with the right matchup can win games. And, uh, so those are my four in the NFC. Well, where are we going with the AFC here?
1: For the AFC, I have the Chiefs at one. Uh, the defending champs deserve to be at one until they're uh, dethroned. Um, I have the Steelers at number two, which is probably comes as no surprise to you because uh, I've been on that bandwagon all season long. Uh, they have some flaws, but they have a great defense. Uh, they probably had their worst rushing defensive game of the, of the year last week, and they still pulled off a win. Uh, in third, I have the Ravens. Uh, they're a tough opponent with the reigning MVP and, uh, you know, they, they have some flaws also on offense, but they have a good defense and, uh, they have a pretty good, uh, shot at going all the way. And lastly, I was torn between the Titans and the Colts. Um, but I'm going to take the Colts because of that offense. I feel like they have a really potent offense, despite the last two weeks where they seem to have, uh, taking a break or whatever those COVID things that happened early on, it seems to kind of have caught up to them a little bit, but uh, I definitely see them turning it around.
0: Yeah. Um, My top four chiefs, number one by far. And then, uh, then the Steelers. And then I think there's a gap there and uh, you can mix and match uh, Ravens, Titans, Colts, and um, you know, I think my number three team right now is the Colts. Uh, Leonard came back this week. That defense just looks solid. Now, uh, the weapons on the outside are a little, now that TY's hurt again, little weird. But uh, they just seem to be able to win games running the ball. And uh, I just like that defensive setup. And Frank Reich, I think, probably is maybe the most underrated coach in the NFL. So, um I have the Colts at three and uh, our friend Dynamite David isn't going to like this, but I have the Ravens at four and the Tennessee Titans just on the outside uh, right now. So uh, those are my four from the AFC.
1: I hope you're ready to hear it. He's he's going to let you have it, just so you know.
0: Nah, he's mad at them this week. It'll be next week after they get a win and then they'll be chirping again.
1: Listen, I don't, I don't care how mad he is at them. The man is a fanatic. Okay. <laughs> he he will find, he will find you. He will hunt you down and he will give you an earful of stats. Okay. Yes. Just I be know. Ready for- he,
0: he was already giving me an earful about the corner they traded for from the chargers. And he thought it was going to turn their whole pass defense around.
1: Yeah. Be ready for the dynamite sports bureau to come at you <laughs> with, with their weekly stats.
0: I will. All right. So those were our top four. Uh, Ready to move on to the games?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: All right. So we'll start out with the Thursday game last week. The Atlanta Falcons went to the Carolina Panthers and won 25, 17. The Panthers were a one four, one point favorite in the game. Uh, Matt Ryan went 21 of 30, 281 yards, one interception, one rushing touchdown. Todd Gurley had 18 carries for 46 yards and a touchdown. Julio Jones, seven catches for 137 yards. And, uh, Teddy Bridgewater probably had his worst game so far this season, 15-23, 176, one touchdown, one interception. Mike Davis, 13 carries for 66 yards, and DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson had seven catches for 103 yards. Uh, little setback here for Carolina. Uh, thought it was probably the worst game they've played so far, uh, at least definitely since uh, the opening day lost to the Raiders. It looks like uh, Christian McAfee will be back next week. Um, so maybe they get a little boost back up from there, but uh, this was definitely the worst uh, Carolina had played. Um, Falcons looked like the Falcons.
1: Yeah, uh, it's interesting. The Falcons seem to have gotten a little better defensively ever since they fired their head coach. Um, I don't know if there's any correlation between those those uh, subjects, but, you know, I, I felt like they did enough to win that game. Um I've liked Carolina. I like what I've seen from them so far this year. Uh, I feel that Teddy Bridgewater probably had a, a pretty poor game, and that's why they lost the game. But overall, he's done a really good job at managing uh, the flow of the game and uh, kind of just leaning on his running back and then you know uh, passing the ball when he needs to in certain situations. When he makes mistakes, this is the type of outcome you're going to have from that team because, unfortunately, they don't have all the weapons that they need. Um, although I do think that with McCaffrey coming back soon, uh, it's going to help that team out a lot. Um, you know, Davis has been doing a really good job at running the ball. And uh, with those two guys, they could be a, a, I wouldn't say a contender, but they could be a threat to win games.
0: Yeah. All right. What do we have up next?
1: Let's see. We have the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers at the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens were three and a half point favorites. Uh, Pittsburgh won that game 28 to 24. Big Ben went 21 of 32 for 182 yards and a touchdown. James Conner ran the ball 15 times for 47 yards and a touchdown. Juju Smith-Schuster, who suddenly showed up randomly in that game, has seven for 67. Uh, Claypool had five for 42 and a touchdown. Lamar Jackson went 13 of 28 for 208 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He also had 16 for 65 on the ground. Dobbins went 15 for 113. Gus Edwards went 16 for 87 and touchdown. While Willie Snead, who seemed to be kind of all over the place, uh, had five for 106.
0: Yeah. All right. We already touched on that game, so we'll move on to our next one. The New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills were favored by three and a half points. The Buffalo Bills won 24 21. Cam Newton went 15 for 25, 174, nine carries, 54 yards, and a touchdown. Damian Harris had 16 carries for 102 yards and a touchdown. And Jacoby Myers had six catches for 58 yards. Josh Allen had was 11 for 18 for 154 yards and interception. 10 carries, 23 yards and a touchdown. Devin Singletary had 14 carries, 86 yards. Zach Moss had 14 carries, 81 yards and two touchdowns. And Stephon Diggs had six catches and 92 yards. Pretty interesting game here. Uh, New England... Uh, This was probably the best they played in about three or four weeks here. They really sort of just tried to control the running game and the game overall. And funny enough, uh, Buffalo also really just tried to pound in the uh, run and carries. uh, Nobody seemed to want to open it up. A little bit probably had to do with weather. It was cold and windy up there, but uh, really I came away – more impressed with the way New England played. This was probably the best they had played, and they were going down for the tie if Cam hadn't have fumbled that ball away right at the end. Um, what'd you make of this game?
1: Yeah, I, I touched on this a little bit uh, during the uh, last episode when we were doing our picks. I, I thought that there was no way that uh, New England would play poorly four weeks in a row. I, I kind of saw them playing a lot better this week, especially against a divisional opponent, you know, regardless whether that opponent in the Buffalo Bills were in first place or not. Um, Bill Belichick is a, he's a good coach and, you know, he's going to find ways to try and uh, uh, tilt the game a little bit. And he seemed to rely a lot on the rush this time around, which was helping him out. Unfortunately for the New England Patriots, like you said, there was about 30 seconds left in the game, I believe. And Cam Noon fumbled the ball. Um, he seems to be making pretty big mistakes uh, when they just kind of need him to manage the game. I understand that they don't have a lot of weapons, but, you know, he's a veteran guy. Well, they have and, a
0: Isaiah Ford now, so uh, be prepared.
1: Oh, yeah, he's going he's gonna to go down. He's going to go on, on a goal route 80 yards, you know, so no one throws him the ball. But, <laughs> well,
0: considering but, they didn't run a pass play over five yards, I don't know how effective Isaiah Ford's going to be other than he might be able to punt and kick return.
1: Although you know what, it's Bill Belichick. You know, if anyone knows how to use a, a, you know, a player that is getting no love somewhere else, it's definitely him. So it'll be interesting to see what he does with that. But going forward, um, I like what I saw from the Patriots. They showed at least some grit in this in this match, and uh, Buffalo seems to take a little step back each week. Not huge leaps, but you know, little steps backwards. Uh, I don't like what I'm seeing from Buffalo lately it's still their division to lose.
0: Yeah, I was going to say I don't think I liked what I saw, but they beat New England essentially for the first time in I don't know 20 years in New England and they got the win. It wasn't pretty, but they're pretty much in control of this division. I I did wa- make a small wager on the Miami Dolphins to win this conference. We'll get to that game at oh, some point. You just I apologize. Had to bring it up. But uh, they're in control, so uh, I don't know if Buffalo's offense seemed to have gotten worse every week, but uh, I was impressed they were able to run the ball with uh, all three guys, Allen, Moss, and uh, Singletary this week. So maybe at some point the running and the deep passing will merge into one. And the defense looked a little better this week, though. By the end, they were hemorrhaging yards and uh, just happened to be fortunate to pick up that fumble.
1: Now, before I get into the next game, I just want to say something. This, this isn't the Miami section of the game. Okay. (laughs)
0: Hold
1: hold that, hold that inside. I know you want to let it all out. You know, you're in two a mode this week, but hold it until we get to the Miami section of the game.
0: I was just mentioning, I made an AFC East wager on the Miami Dolphins to win that division at six to one.
1: All right, well, I apologize. I'm just a little bitter this week.
0: Well, I would be too. Speaking of st- – st- Jesus, I can't say it at all. Statistical anomaly games.
1: Okay, well, let's see. And speaking of bitter also, uh, let's <laughs> move on to this next game. Uh, the Tennessee Titans went into Cincinnati to play the Bengals. Uh, the Bengals were five-and-a-half-point underdogs in this game. Uh, the Tennessee Titans lost that game 20-31. to 31. I think it's one of the surprising scores of the week. Ryan Tannehill went 18 of 30 for 233 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Derrick Henry was Derrick Henry as always, had 18 carries for 112 yards and a touchdown. Corey Davis had eight receptions for 128 yards and a touchdown. Joe Burrow managed to uh, keep his uh, pass attempt total under 60 for the first time in a long time. He went 26 of 37 for 249 yards and two touchdowns. Gio Bernard uh, helped him out a little bit on the ground. Carrying the ball 15 times for 62 yards and a touchdown. And uh, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd combined for 12 for 145 and a touchdown.
0: Yeah, I think this game's pretty simple. Uh, until Tennessee can get a defense, I'm not sure they're an elite team right now. Uh, they couldn't stop the Bengals. They couldn't get a pass rush on the Bengals when everybody has been able to get a pass rush on the Bengals. And those issues have just caused them to start to lose games, um, and until that gets fixed, I don't care how good that offense looks, uh, they're going to lose weird games like this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't really have much to add to this other than uh, I expect the Tennessee to win this game. I think that they those couple of weeks where they kind of had games postponed and moved, and they had to do all that stuff with the COVID, and I think it's starting to catch up to them a little bit. Um, offensively, they didn't have a horrible game, but you know, when that offense isn't clicking on, on all cylinders, it's hard to win games because that defense is really porous and they can't seem to stop anybody on third down, which is probably the main reason why they lost this game. Still a surprising score overall, but, uh, I don't foresee it being an issue going forward. Uh, they've got a potent enough offense to where they can kind of make up for the defense a little bit.
0: All right, we'll move on to the Las Vegas Raiders versus the Cleveland Browns. The Browns were two and a half point favored. The Raiders won sixteen to six. David Carr was fifteen to twenty four hundred and twelve yards and a touchdown. Josh Jacobs was the main source of offense with 31 carries and 128 yards. And Hunter Renfro had four catches for 26 yards and a touchdown. Baker Mayfield was a terrible 12-25 of for 122 yards. Kareem Hunt had 14 carries for 66 yards. And Jarvis Landry had four catches for 52 yards. Now, I talked to you like on Thursday that I sort of liked the Raiders. And as we got deeper and deeper into the week... By Sunday, I was pretty much all over this Raiders bet here. Uh, I just I didn't trust this Cleveland team, and my uh sort of eyes and stats told me I was right. Uh, they were pretty much as brutal as any team that played this week.
1: You know, I'll tell you why I stayed away from this game as far as uh, you know dropping any bets on it was because I kind of liked the Browns, but I knew that once I liked the Browns they were going to let me down. So I stayed away from it. I did the smart thing and just stayed away from it. Uh, I don't think that there was really much to say about this game. Um, You know, the Browns are just up and down. They remind me of another team that I won't name right now because I'm really upset at, uh, but you just don't know who's going to show up. And uh, the Raiders, they're a great team and they're going to, they're going to come out and they're going to try and, you know, get physical with people. And that's what they did. Uh, I think the main story of this game was the wind.
0: Yeah. Um, I think it'll take nine wins, at least, to get to the playoffs. It might take ten. Does Cleveland work their way there?
1: You know, they're halfway there. You know, halfway through the season. Now, you still have some tough divisional opponents coming up in the schedule. Uh, I, I just can't see them making the playoffs with as much talent as you have in the AFC.
0: Yeah, I. Think that I think this was a game they needed to probably make sure they put themselves in playoff contention, and this really hurt them. So, uh, all right, moving on to our next game.
1: Okay, uh, let's see. Our next game, uh, we're going into Detroit for our next game. The Colts went into Detroit and dominated them 41-21. to uh, Even though the Lions were two-and-a-half-point underdogs, the Colts seemed to cover that easily. Philip Rivers went 23 of 33 for 262 yards and three touchdowns. Jordan Wilkins had 20 rushes for 89 yards and a touchdown. While Heinz uh, had three catches, and 54 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, it seems to be kind of a running back heavy game for that team. Um, Matthew Stafford on the other side of the ball went 24 of 42 for 336 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Marvin Hall had four for 113 and Hawkenstein had seven for 65.
0: Yeah. Uh, that was sort of the, typical Matthew Stafford game of getting killed, put up numbers that makes it look good, but, uh, Colts dominated, dominated this game through and through, uh, defense with Leonard back, uh, looked as fierce as it was to start the season. And, uh, Philip Rivers did not look atrocious, played pretty well in this game. Um, I'm liking these Colts right now.
1: You know, early on in that game, I, I thought that, uh, Phillip Rivers was looking good because he was doing exactly what I, what I want him to do and what everybody needs him to do. Everybody in uh, India, I'm sure wants him to do is dink and dunk, throw safe passes, slants, you know, a little uh, dump passes to the running backs and to the tight ends. But he actually made some, uh, some deep throws, a, a couple of more to the running backs, you know, and the running backs seem to really step up and, um, this is the reason why you see the score. Uh, I thought that Indianapolis would win this game. I didn't think it would be uh, this lopsided, but, you know, it is Detroit, and even if it was close, they'd probably find a way to lose.
0: Yeah, uh, they at least took the element of uh, some random team doing something weird in the fourth quarter out of it pretty quickly in this one. Um, who do you have in this division now? Indianapolis, Tennessee?
1: Like I said earlier, uh, I still have Tennessee winning this division, that's just because uh throughout the season, you know, minus these last couple of se well, even um that game against the Steelers, they still showed up in the second half. But this last week they didn't have their best offensive game and that's the reason they lost this this particular game. But I think that when they're firing on all cylinders, you know, they're they're tough offense to stop. Derrick Henry's a monster and uh, Tannehill seems to be you know, playing really, really well. Uh, I'm not going to drop a dynamite David on you and tell you that, you know, over the last 14 games when it's 63 degrees outside and there's snow in the Northeast and uh, summer in the West coast, um, you know, Ryan Tannehill performs better, you know, during a family guy episode on Fox, uh, I don't have those stats to bring up, but you get what I'm saying is that I, I think that, Indy gets a lot better with, uh, you know, especially with some key defensive players coming back. But I still think that Tennessee has a more potent offense. So I still have them ahead in this division.
0: Okay. It should be a fun thing to see play out. All right. We'll move on to our next game. The Minnesota Vikings uh, versus the Green Bay Packers. The Packers were seven point favorites. Minnesota won 28-22. Kirk Cousins was 11 to 14 for 160 yards and a touchdown. Dalvin cook, uh, pretty much was the whole offense and was the whole reason the Vikings won the game. 30 carries, 163 yards, three touchdowns, three catches, 63 yards and a touchdown. Aaron Rodgers was 27 of 41 for 291 yards, three touchdowns. Jamal Williams, 15 carries, 75 yards and Devante Adams, seven catches, 53 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Pretty much the whole thing in this uh, Green Bay couldn't stop Dalvin cook. Dalvin cook dominated the game and the Packers lost. Uh, I don't know what else there was much to say about this.
1: Uh, I mean, the only thing I'll add to it is that I thought green Bay would win this game uh, pretty easily. It seemed like Minnesota had kind of given up on their season, uh, especially the way they played the last few weeks, but you know, never underestimate a divisional opponent is what I always say. And uh, cook, came out and he punched Green Bay in the mouth. And every time that Green Bay seemed to, you know, try to claw their way back into this game, he would break off a huge run and, uh, and kind of let them know that they weren't going to pull it off this week.
0: Yeah. Uh, the only thing I'd find a little concerning about this is why wouldn't they be prepared to stop Delvin cook? Uh, I don't think anyone cares what Kirk cousins does and Clearly, the Vikings don't want Kirk Cousins to do anything in that he threw 14 passes in this game. And really, of those 160 yards, 50 of them was a swing pass to Dalvin Cook for a touchdown. So I was just, Green Bay, why weren't we prepared to stop Dalvin Cook at all expense of letting Kirk Cousins go wild? And that probably bothered me a little bit there.
1: No, yeah, I agree with you. I think that uh, they didn't prepare properly. I think they're probably looking past Minnesota for this uh, particular week, you know, and it came back and it bit him in the butt. Um, like you said, you this is not Kirk Cousins of last season. You know, you you want to make him beat you, stack the box, make him throw the ball, um, and just, you know, have, have an extra guy, an extra set of eyes on Cook because that's their main weapon. That's, you know, they – the Vikings go as Cook goes, so you know I don't understand how he was able to perform so well. Well, I know how because he's he's really good, but I don't understand how Green Bay allowed it. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah,
0: correct. Uh, that's pretty confusing. No Aaron Jones, so that hurts the Green Bay offense a little bit. But uh, their offense wasn't really the issue here. Uh, what do we got up next?
1: Up next, we have your New York Jets going into Kansas City uh, to face off against the Chiefs. The Chiefs were nineteen and a half point favorites. I repeat, the Chiefs were nineteen and a half point favorites. The Jets lost that game nine to thirty-five. Darnold went eighteen of thirty for one hundred and thirty-three. Denzel Mims had two for forty-two. Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the ball went thirty-one of forty-two for four hundred and sixteen yards and five touchdowns. Travis Kelsey had a big game with eight catches for 109 yards and a touchdown. Tyreek Hill had a bomb uh, in that game. He caught four passes overall for 98 yards and two touchdowns. And Hardman had seven for 96 and a touchdown.
0: All right. So uh, I thought we'd really get into this game and break it down uh, pretty much (laughs) play-by-play here. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, this was definitely a game of the week for me, buddy. Uh, I was, I was so interested. I, 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 I'm glad you decided to really dive into this one because, uh, it's, it's one of the better games of the year.
0: All right. Um, I don't know what to say or to analyze. Uh, the chiefs are much better than the jets. Um, pretty much at every position on the football field. So this was the result you got and they covered, uh, I can tell you where my head was. I took two prop bets on the chiefs winning by 30 and 40 and both were pretty much in play in this game. So
1: yeah, that was, uh, I mean, not really far fetched when, when you look at the talents on these teams, but I will say this, I I was kind of happy watching that game, uh, with the jets play calls. Uh, they knew that they weren't going to win this game, but they weren't going to, you know, dink and dunk and, and punt it away. You know, on third and long or basically run the ball to punt it away later on in fourth down after third and long. They seem to be really aggressive. Now they don't have the weapons. They're nowhere near as good as the Chiefs are, and I don't think they even thought they had a chance of winning this game. But you know, at least they 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 tried. I'll give them that.
0: Yeah, uh, they at least early we're looking to try to score points so i i'll give them that but uh not much else to say about this one and we'll move on to our next one prepare yourself Uh,
1: i'm holding i'm holding on to the side of my chest right now
0: all right the los angeles rams uh went to the miami dolphins and the uh los angeles rams were favored by three points they ended up losing 28 17 jared goff uh For some reason, threw 61 passes, 35 of 61 with a touchdown and two interceptions. Daryl Henderson had eight carries for 47 yards, and Cooper Cup had 11 catches for 110 yards. No one on the Dolphins offense did anything. All their points pretty much came on defense and special teams. So, tough game for you. Uh... Very weird, uh, considering Miami had 170 yards of total offense and somehow dominated and controlled this game. What do you make of it, other than angry text uh, chains?
1: Yeah, I think I pulled the dynamite, David, and uh, ha- about halfway through that second quarter said, I'm done, this game is over. And uh, I kind of went dark for a little bit there. Uh, you know, they... <clears throat> Jared Goff is a conundrum to me. You know, he, he sometimes he comes out and he zips the ball into some tight windows and he makes uh, some really impressive throws and he makes good decisions. And then he comes out and he plays the way he played this week. Um, he The Rams in general just seem to be the type of team that plays up to their opponent. If they're going up against a mediocre team, they're going to play mediocre. If they're going up against a good team, they're going to try and play tough and and, you know, and do what they do. Overall, he had no choice but to throw 61 times because uh, they were down big, especially early on in that game. I still think that uh, they bit of, uh, They made a big mistake by not handing the ball out to Henderson a little bit more, who seemed to look like the more dynamic of the three running backs. Uh, Akers did have a nice play where he broke off a few runs and broke some tackles. But overall, I still think that Henderson is probably the best back in that trio of running backs. And they really went away from him. He didn't get the ball much more after that first quarter and a half. Um, But overall, just a bad, bad performance. Um, Really don't have much to say about Miami because, like you said, they weren't really on the field a lot. If I showed you the uh, time of possession, the amount of plays, and the total offense, you probably wouldn't think that the, the, the Dolphins won that game.
0: Yeah, uh I don't really know even how to analyze it other than the Dolphins defense created turnovers and got scores off their turnovers and got a punt return I believe. So and the Rams just couldn't score or they could score but they also turned it over while scoring and scoring for the Dolphins. So just a weird game um to a didn't really have to do anything. So it was hard to get a judge on anything that went on in that game. Uh, Other than the Rams, I continue to be confused by. um, And the Dolphins are finding ways to win games. So let's move on to the next one. And uh, speaking of weird games, uh, of course, it involves (laughs) the Chargers.
1: Of course it does. The Los Angeles Chargers went into Denver um, to face off against the Broncos, they were three. The Broncos were three point underdogs in that game, uh, and the Chargers lost that game, thirty to thirty one. Justin Herbert went twenty nine of forty three for two hundred seventy eight yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. Justin Jackson had seventeen rushes for eighty nine yards, while Mike Williams and Keenan Allen combined for fourteen catches, one hundred sixty six yards, and two touchdowns. On the other side of the ball for the Broncos, Drew Locke went twenty six of forty one for 248 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. Uh, Lindsey, who I think is the better running back in that backfield, had six for 83 in a touchdown, and Hamilton had four for 82 in a touchdown.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think I can pretty much sum this game up by uh, I had it on the league pass, and the Chargers completely dominated for three quarters. I flipped it off the league pass in the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden I look up and it was like 24-17 in a matter of about three minutes. And I was like, what the hell's going on? Which I was okay with since I had a bet on the Broncos. Flipped it back and the Chargers were in their pure fourth quarter melt mode. And that's essentially what happened. Chargers dominate, fourth quarter melt.
1: See, now I know what happened. I was watching that game too and I was like, okay, cool. Uh, I, I picked the, uh, the Chargers. I was kind of high on them this week. Uh, against their divisional opponent. I thought that they would come out and and win this game. Not easily, but I thought that pretty decisively. And um, they were kind of dominating early on in that game. And I was like, okay, cool. This is what I thought would happen. And then before I know it, they lose the game. Now I know why. It's because you stopped watching. You jinxed them.
0: Yes. uh, Well, I jinxed them for my bankroll to improve. So um, I don't know. Broncos looked awful and then, They were able to get some yards. I really don't know what to make of this game. Uh, Herbert was playing well. He threw threw one really bad pick uh, late in the game, which sort of gave the Broncos the extra possession they need. Um, But this is sort of what bad teams do. They find ways to lose games, and the Chargers found a way to lose this game.
1: Yeah. One thing I will say, though, is I don't understand why – they don't just keep featuring Lindsay in the backfield he seems to be the better running back in that duel um I it confuses me a little bit why he's not getting more work
0: yeah I've been confused about that uh pretty much the whole season but uh I'm not the coach uh Vic Fangio interesting uh play strategy there but they signed Gordon, so I guess they have to give him carries. That might go on to Elway as to why he signed a running back when he already had a pretty good one. Um, a pro Bowl running back. Yes, on the team. All right. Uh, anything you wanted to add to this game or move on to the next one?
1: Let, let's just go ahead and move on. <laughs> All
0: right. Uh, speaking of a fun offensive team, the Chicago Bears played the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> The uh, Saints were four and a half point favorites and they ended up winning 26-23 in overtime. Drew Brees was 31 of 41, 280 yards, two touchdowns. Alvin Kamara had 163 total yards and Jared Cook had five catches for 51 yards and a touchdown. Nick Foles was 28 of 41, 272, two touchdowns, one interception. David Montgomery had 21 carries, 89 yards, and Allen Robinson had six catches for 87 yards and a touchdown. So I was watching the Broncos game, and this is the one I switched to. And um, it was not a real fun game to watch. It was very cold, I will give that. But uh, the Bears are just really bad to watch. I don't know what to make of them. They were able to hang around in this game, but the Saints are pretty much on a mass unit squad on the offense. And uh, the Bears are just really bad.
1: Yeah, you know, as bad as the Bears are, I still think that they're better with Foles than they are with Trubisky. See,
0: I At was least. going to ask you that. Are yeah, they? And I,
1: yeah, I think they are. I really do. I think that um, as far as their passing game is concerned, they don't. You know, they seem to just kind of steadily uh, put up yards throughout the game as it progresses, as opposed to putting up nothing for the first three quarters and then going off in the fourth. Uh, I still think Trubisky is their long-term answer uh, as far as these two quarterbacks are concerned. Not that he's anybody's answer in particular, but for these two quarterbacks, uh, I still think Trubisky's the guy that they're going to go with. But overall, I, I right now I think that the Bears are a better team with Nick Foles at the helm, and you know they're still in the running. Surprisingly, as bad as they've been, they're still in the running for a playoff spot. So you know you got to stick with Foles and ride him until. Either you get knocked out of playoff contention or he gets hurt.
0: Yeah. See, I'm totally the other way. I think you've seen what Nick Foles is. He's nothing. Um, Trubisky is nothing, but I think he can at least move in the pocket. And as bad as that offensive line is, you can at least get him on the outside. He might make a running player, too. And I just don't see too much difference in the pass game other than Charles Nagy. I guess, likes Nick Foles uh, more, but uh, I think some questions need to start being asked about Charles Nagy and his offensive game planning.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Foles said it best himself a couple weeks ago when he said that some of these plays are being called and he knows that they're not going to work because he won't have enough time in the pocket. Uh, That pretty much sums it all up, I think.
0: All right, we'll move on to the next game.
1: Let's see for our next game, we had the uh, San Francisco 49ers going into Seattle to face off against the Seahawks. The Seahawks were two and a half point favorites. Uh, San Francisco lost that game 27 to 37. Nick Mullins went 18 of 25 for 238 yards and two touchdowns. Hasty went 12 for 29 and one touchdown. AU had 8 for 91 and a touchdown, uh, while Russell Wilson went 27 of 37 for 261 yards, four touchdowns. DJ Dallas had 58 total yards with two touchdowns, while Metcalf had 12 catches for 161 and two touchdowns.
0: Yeah, I think we've hit the point of no return for the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Um, Garoppolo got hurt. Kittle got hurt. Both are long-term injuries. Um, Mullins came in, played pretty well, but uh, this Niners team is just so beat up. Um, Next year, I'm going to be pretty excited to see what they do because they do seem to look like they have a lot of weapons um has looked great debo samuel kittle but um none of them it just seems like a cursed year none of them could stay on the field i mean we talked about you know four or five weeks ago about all the defensive guys they lost and you know seattle took advantage of it and dominated this game
1: yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate for the uh, 49ers and for my brother, who's a big 49er fan. Um, they've just seemed to be dealing with the injury bug all season long. And every time they get the players back, you know, someone else goes down. And it's just kind of been a recurring theme for them all season long. Um, it's really unfortunate, especially because if you look at the record, they're still in the hunt. You know, they're still they're still, you know, sniffing around uh, playoff contention. So, it's really unfortunate. I think that they're done. I think that these last injuries really hurt them to the point of no return. Yeah. uh, No, go ahead.
0: I just was... I mean, the way they fought, even through these injuries, to put themselves in playoff contention is pretty admirable. But uh, this last week, I was just like, now Kittle's out, Garoppolo's out again, and I just... I don't know what number running back they're on, but... (laughs) It's very far down the depth chart. And I just, at some point you aren't going to be able to create the offense that you need to win these games.
1: Yeah, no, I will give, uh, you know, some, some props to, uh, to the coaching staff. They, they still seem to at least try to be competitive. You know, there's teams that are worse than they are and they have their team completely set, you know, so they definitely show some promise, uh, but unfortunately for them, because of all the injuries that have plagued them this year, I think that they should kind of start looking forward to next year.
0: Yeah. um, Good bounce back for Seattle. Did what they had to do. Dominated the game. Um, anything else on them?
1: No, just, you know, Seattle's a scary team when they're firing on all cylinders. They should get their uh, their star defensive player back uh, next week or so. And uh, if they can, like you said earlier, if they can pick it up defensively even a little bit, They're a team to be reckoned with.
0: All right, we'll move on. Uh, I sadly have to announce this game. The Dallas Cowboys played the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles were eight-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, They won 23-9. to I'm not going to read any stats because there were essentially none for this game. The Eagles had 222 total yards of offense and four turnovers and they won the game by double digits. So <laughs> oh
1: that should my god. pretty
0: much sum up the NFC East and pretty much both these teams.
1: Yeah, there's nothing much really to add to it. I mean, other, other than, than
0: let's not put this game on primetime for the love of God.
1: Although I'll tell you what, in the beginning of the year, if I told you that the Eagles, especially from last year, we're going up against uh, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, and the boys this year. You know, on primetime, you'd probably be a little bit excited about it. Like, yeah, NFC East divisional opponents. and No, you know.
0: bad all NFC East from now on. I never yeah, want them again.
1: I, I agree with you. They, they probably should look at the NFL schedule, and if there's any more primetime games, probably flex them if you can. Blame it on COVID or something because uh, it's just bad football.
0: Yeah, uh, the Carson Wentz train of being terrible for one possession and possibly the best quarterback in the league sort of continued. Um, he turned the ball over way too many times, but the, the Cowboys couldn't do anything. I don't – anything else to add on this brilliant game?
1: No, I just, uh, you know uh, – Eagles are in
0: control. Uh, though, oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of – conference bets. I do have one on the Washington football team to sneak out of the NFC East. So let's go Washington football team.
1: You know, as, as silly as it sounds, I could definitely see that happening in this division.
0: I'm telling just, you, Rivera's building his team, a quarterback who throws two yard passes and doesn't make mistakes in a defense that has a pass rush. So
1: yeah. River Bodron for the for the big win helping champ make some money.
0: All right, yeah. we'll move on to the next game and get away from this stink fest. That was the Cowboys and Eagles.
1: Yeah, let's let's move on uh, for our last game of the uh, the week. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers went into New York to face off against the Giants. The Giants were ten and a half point underdogs. Uh, the Buccaneers won that game twenty five to twenty three. Tom Brady went twenty eight of forty for two hundred seventy nine yards and two touchdowns. Mike Evans had five catches for fifty five yards, one touchdown. Big Rob Gronk had four catches for 41 yards and a touchdown. On the other side of the ball, Daniel Jones won 25 of 41 for 256 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. Gauman had 12 for 44 and one touchdown, while Sterling Shepard had eight catches for 74 yards.
0: Yeah, uh, this turned out to be a pretty decent game. Uh, the thing is, Daniel Jones made, you know, a couple key mistakes which is what he does every game. He plays well, and there's one or two plays that uh, just crush them. That's a, pretty much what happened here. That picky he threw while they were up, uh, rolling off the back foot, you know, just to the a simple comeback route, and it gets picked, and Bucks go down, score, take the lead. Um, Tampa Bay, you know, just was okay in this game, um, but I thought the Giants uh, missed an opportunity here.
1: Yeah, you know, I was a little surprised uh, at the score of this game. Uh, I thought Tampa Bay would come out and dominate New York. But New York, you know, they hung in there and they they fought back and they didn't let up. Um, I think that it's a positive sign for New York Giants fans um, to see Jones. I think that he's matured as the season has progressed. I think that he's getting better, even though he still tends to make some mistakes. I think he's getting better. And um, if I was a New York Giants fan – in the NFC East. I think that next season with some uh, key additions on both offense and defense, I think I'd be kind of excited because there's a chance that they could sneak into uh, contenders for this division. Although it's the NFC East and that's not saying much, but
0: technically they're still a contender right now.
1: Yeah, I know. I know they still are this the NFC East, but like I said, I I see some bright spots for the future.
0: Yeah. And Barkley coming back next year. Um, if, If Jones can just get away from making that one or two sort of crushing mistake, um, I think they could be halfway good because the defense looked pretty good this week too.
1: Yeah. Like I said, they seem to have stepped up a little bit more. Um, And you can only imagine that if they had a few key additional uh, players on both sides of the ball, they'd be a little bit better. And uh, like I said, I, I think for them, it's more about how they're going to build towards the next year.
0: Yeah. All right, so let's go into our best and worst of the week. What do you have for your best offensive player of the week?
1: For my best offensive player of the week, I have Dalvin Cook. Uh, He had 30 rushes for 163 yards, three touchdowns. He also caught two passes for 63 yards and a touchdown. Um, I think that he went into that Green Bay game, and uh, his team in general got overlooked, and he came out and he punched Green Bay in the mouth and uh, he didn't relent. He just kept going, and that's the reason why that team won the won the game.
0: You'll never believe this, but Delvin Cook is my offensive player of the week <laughs> as well. Um, he was easily the best player of the week. Uh, I also had Patrick Mahomes down for a little shout-out, but um, the curve grade of playing against the Jets. Uh, Delvin Cook, pretty impressive week. Uh, what was your defensive player of the week?
1: Uh, I didn't have a defensive player of the week. I had a defensive unit of the week. Uh, I was going to go with the Steelers, but I'm actually going with the Dolphins. They punched the Rams in the mouth. Surprise,
0: surprise. I yeah. went with a team as well, and it was the Dolphins.
1: Uh, well, I'll give you my reason for it. Uh, I feel like they came out and they punched Rams in the mouth, and it startled the Rams, and they just couldn't really recover from it. Uh, they forced two fumbles, they had two interceptions, they got two sacks you know, they were getting constant pressure on the quarterback and they didn't make him feel comfortable at all towards the end. Uh, they seemed to let up a little bit and the Rams kind of came back a little bit. If it wasn't for that Kai like, Forbath miss, uh, where they would have made it a one possession game. Um, maybe I wouldn't have had the dolphins on here, but you know, they, they did what they did and they get props this week.
0: Yeah. I am the same reason. I, I think Brian Flores, uh, has those guys playing real well and it's not a lot of big name guys. So, uh, We both were on the same league this week on the best of the week. Uh, Who was your best coach of the week?
1: Uh, I had a safe choice this week. I went with uh, Andy Reid. You know, they put together a good game plan to uh, dominate the game that they were supposed to dominate. Uh, This week, in which a lot of favorites didn't cover and some even got beat, uh, they could have easily been one of those teams, but they came in and they took care of business by completely dominating that game.
0: Yeah, I got a big-name guy as well. I'm going with Sean Payton. Um, the way this team has been able to win games without Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders and Cook in and out uh, has been pretty impressive. And uh, to go into Chicago when on the road in that cold weather a game with a dome team like the Saints, a pretty impressive win and uh, nice job by Sean Payton this week.
1: Yeah, I definitely see that. I agree with you. Uh, they, they played a good game.
0: All right. So what do you have as your worst of the week?
1: Let's see for worst offense of the worst offensive player of the week. I was going to go with Cam Newton uh, for losing the ball with 30 seconds left in the game when they were in range to either tie the game or win. But I am going to go with Jared Goff who went 35 of 61 for 355 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions and two fumbles. Uh, I believe he cost the Rams a win in that game. Uh, He was really shaky And when he gets shaky and doesn't clean it up by the second half, um, they tend to lose the game. And that's exactly what happened this week. And I feel that he was a big reason why they lost the game.
0: Yeah, I have some fun ones this week. Um, The Dallas-Philadelphia offense overall in that game (laughs) is the worst of the week. I was forced to watch that for three hours, and it was the most atrocious thing ever. So my worst of the week, Dallas-Philadelphia offenses.
1: Uh, You know, it's funny because I was going to go with, what's his name? Tom Bertoli or Fettuccini? Linguini? I I forget what his name is. (laughs) That's who I was going to go with. But I just said, you know what? Third quarterback in the death chart. I'm not going to hold this against him. The team was already bad before. He, unfortunately, was chosen to take over. So I'm not going to put it on him. But I, I definitely see where you're coming from. That was a bad performance.
0: All right. What do you have for Defense.
1: Uh, defensively again, I went with the unit and I went with the Tennessee Titans defensive unit. Um, I only picked them because they lost to the Bengals. They didn't pressure the quarterback. They got no sacks. Uh, they got no interceptions, no fumbles. They can't stop anyone on third down. And uh, if they keep playing defensively like this. It's going to take a perfect offensive game for them to keep winning games.
0: My worst of the week is the San Diego Chargers fourth quarter defense. Um. I don't quite know how you dominate a game for essentially three and a half quarters and then give up about 30 points in the span of about eight minutes, but they somehow managed to do those sort of things more than once on the season. And uh, so my worst of the week, San Diego, fourth quarter defense.
1: Oh, I agree with you. (laughs) They, they cost me this week too. So I definitely see where you're coming from.
0: All right. So who's your worst coach of the week?
1: Now, it seems like I'm following a trend here, Uh, but I had to pick uh, worst of the week coach, Sean McVay. Um, You know, the game was going well. Henderson was running the ball great in the early stages of the game, and uh, I know they were down later on, but they stopped using him uh, completely. Like, he just completely disappeared from that offense. I feel like he, uh, aside from Cup, he was probably the team, the player that was carrying his team the most early on. And they re- just completely went away from him. And um, a lot of it had to do with the fact that they l- were losing big, but you know, some of the other running backs got some work and he got nothing else. I, I don't understand what's going on with that uh, coaching scheme. I feel like he's been the best running back so far in that trio and they just don't seem to use him or utilize him as much as they should.
0: Yeah. Um, my worst coach of the week was Matt LaFleur. Um, we Touched on it earlier, but uh, how you don't have a game plan that just totally puts everything up against Delvin Cook and let Kirk Cousins go wild because he's not capable of it, uh, just a little questionable. So my worst coach of the week, Matt LaFleur.
1: Yeah, if I wasn't so angry and upset even days after that Rams game, I probably would have uh, followed suit and picked the LaFleur as well. Uh, don't understand... Like, he, like we said earlier, you completely game plan to stop Cook. That's that's the entire team right there.
0: If Jordan Jefferson wants to catch a bunch of deep passes from Kirk Cousins from me, I tip my hat and go, well done, sir.
1: Yes, make him do it. Make him do it. Make, make Cousins beat you. Otherwise, you're just uh, planning poorly.
0: All right. That's our show for the week. Uh, our know it all podcast also will drop on Tuesday night with this one. Uh, look for our football time, college football and NFL picks podcast on Thursday and a new know it all podcast on Friday with Achilles rain coming in for some NBA draft coverage.
1: Yeah. Uh, really quick. Just wanted to, uh, remind everybody, uh, we've got some things coming up as far as like, uh, giveaways and things like that. Um, uh, Make sure to follow us on Twitter. I am TD Achilles, and you are
0: GLN Champ Five. That's our show.